Welcome to Behind B2B. We are with entrepreneur extraordinaire, AJ Mises, uh, former HR director for Meta. Uh, it was wonderful to have you here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. How you doing today? Doing great. Busy week, but going well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. All right. Well, the first question, we just want to get to know who you are. And so if you can describe yourself in, you know, if it's a sentence, if it's a few, who is AJ Mises? <laughs> who is AJ Mises? Uh, so I am, uh, I'm, a, I'm a dog dad. I'm a husband. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but in a professional sense, uh, I am the CEO of the Human Reach, which is a human potential institute based here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Um, and about 20 years of experience in HR and leading teams, most recently as the global head of HR at Meta, as you said, um, for uh, Reality Labs. And uh, right now, uh, we are working with Silicon Valley uh, tech executives and beyond to help them land jobs, figure out what they want to do, and help them then land that job in record time. So to kind of get into um, how this journey started, take us, you know, you can sum it up a little bit, but take us kind of through that beginning. I was looking into a little bit, you started off kind of in sales and then kind of progressed throughout time. Um, didn't really, you know, you didn't see um, a real passion for what you were doing when you started off, but still saw some benefits from it. So kind of take us through that journey of when you started to right now. Yeah. So I mean, fresh out of school, I graduated in the recession of 2008, 2009. It was a really terrible time to be looking for a job. And uh, I took the first thing that came to me because I needed to make, make some money. Mm -hmm. um, and so in college, I had worked in some gyms um, and uh, in various different roles. And so this was kind of a natural inroad to me to join a luxury sports resort company to serve as a membership director. And I was selling memberships to really wealthy people um, as a kind of broke new college grad. And I was really good at it. Um, and I was on the top of the leaderboard. I was like number one, number two uh, for, gosh, my probably six or seven months in that seat. Um, not my favorite role. I was pretty anxious when it came to sales. And it just wasn't something that filled up my cup too much, but it was something that taught me a lot. And it taught me a lot about how to relate to people. It taught me a lot about how to understand what people's, you know, pain points are. It told me to understand how to build value in terms of, you know, things like a treadmill and how to, <laughs> how to communicate that to the people I was meeting with. Um, but very early on, I realized that I didn't want to work in sales. And so after six months there um, at the property I was at, there was an assistant general manager role that had opened up because some, the gentleman that was in the role moved on. So I was 22 years old and I was going for an assistant general manager role at a $15 million property. Um, and I knew that I had to make an impact um, in order if I were to get that job. And so I put together this whole presentation for our, our VP of that property about how I would add value, the things that I could bring to the table, why I felt that my past experience was a great um, add-on to the property. Um, and some new innovative ideas that I had in order to get stuff going. Like I was going to do like a fashion show in our gym and different social events and just like really creative stuff that they hadn't done before. Um, and she was super impressed and she gave me the job. I was the youngest, um, AGM in the company's 30 year history. Um, and I was in that seat for about a year and a half. I got promoted a couple of different times and moved around to different properties. Eventually was uh, because of where I brought that, that property, I was uh, brought in to help train all of the properties on the Western seaboard in terms of like how to show up for our clients, everything from 
cafe, food and beverage operations, to um, our front desk, to valet, to transportation, to social, I mean, to our pro shops. I mean, I was doing everything as like a, at that point, like a 23 year old. And so uh, I just rapidly progressed. Um, from there, I kind of went into recruiting. I wanted to get back into tech. And I uh, joined a, a staffing firm where I, I led a team. I was there for about three and a half years, uh, hiring for Silicon Valley giants like Facebook and Google and Deloitte and a whole bunch of other companies. Um, and then from there, I was recruited out to run the people operations. Uh, so HR for a solar company called Sanjevity, which was one of our clients at the staffing firm. So they recruited me out to lead the team. I started as a director. I left as a VP, um, the youngest VP in the company's history and grew that to about 1400 people. From there, that's where I went to Facebook and was at Facebook for almost six years, um, led huge teams, 3000 plus people. Um, and then in 2020, I started my, my practice called the human reach. And, uh, that's where we are today. That's amazing. That well, amazing. quick question. So, I mean, you accomplished so much throughout those years and you went to such great milestones that some people don't even achieve, or maybe like one of your first positions is like someone's dream job. What made you go like leave those kind of situations and want to kind of create something for yourself rather than working for someone else, even if it's a great situation that a lot of people would consider? Mm. That's a great question. I kind of got to chill when you, when you ask that. Um, but the, the, I'd say the genesis behind it was, um, I'd all, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my grandfather had his own business and sold it. My dad has been, you know, in the sea level roles in the fast, um, ca casual food space for a long time. And so I think it's just kind of in my DNA that I wanted to try the entrepreneurship thing and be at the helm. Um, and it was really scary though, um, to, to leave, especially a company like Facebook, very like number one employer in the world in terms of like employee engagement, like golden handcuffs up, up the wazoo. Uh, um, yeah, I wanted to try my hand at entrepreneurship and, um, it was scary, but really what it came down to was I was, you know, sitting on my couch, I think watching TV and I like maybe scrolling on TikTok or something. And I saw something that was like, hey, what would you regret if you were 65, like sitting at a bar, um, like talking to a younger person, like what would you say was one of your regrets? And I remember thinking to myself, not starting my freaking company. Mm. Um, and so that was like a really big aha moment. Like, okay, this isn't gonna kill me. This isn't going to make me broke. I have savings. Like I, I would regret not trying this um, mm. if I was at that age and looking back on my life. And so, I took a huge plunge and started kind of putting it out there that I was thinking about starting my practice. I told myself that it, when I landed my first client, um, that would tell me that I have you know revenue coming in and then that's when, when I would leave. So I started putting feelers out there. I started you know, telling people that I was going to coach. I took a lot of training, coach training and things like that to you know just get my credentials up to where they needed to be um, and landed my first client like a month after I kind of started putting word out. And that was the kind of net that I needed to jump um, into the net and, and do this myself. And, uh, the rest is history. I was doing a little bit of research and you said in your first job that you would get rejected about 80% of the time when <laughs> trying to do your sales. Yeah. How did you learn to deal or handle with rejection? And how has that helped you at this point in your career now? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's easy to take rejection personally. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, we're humans, right? We have emotions and, um, 
it's easy to take things personally when we're trying to quote unquote help somebody and they say no. Mm -hmm. and, or, and they're reaching out for help, right? Even in our practice, when people reach out to us for help and they say, yeah, just not, not a fit right now. And I, I, I just kind of started to learn to take it on its head. Um, and if you have something that can help people, either a service that you provide or um, what you're selling, if you're internally at a, at a company and there's big demand for it, then it's not about every single one. It's not about the one, you know, rejection over and over again. It's because you start to get people who say yes and you get them results. And then that kind of snowballs into other things. And so that's what I found early, early on in my sales career when I was, you know, at the Bay Club um, was like, sure, I got people that said no to me, but I had more people eventually say yes than said no. Mm -hmm. And the same thing that is happening here in our business is that sure I got a lot of no's because I was learning how to make sure I was talking about what we do and the results that we get versus other things that sometimes folks get wrong when they're starting off in sales. And then things just kind of shift. Um, you change the product, you change the types of things that uh, you're offering people, you change the conversation that you're having. Um, and that stuff just gets easier and easier. Um, so, you know, it's taken me almost four years to get to this point where things are really chugging. And so I think that's the other thing too, is that like, you know, hindsight's 2020. And when I was starting, I think in this bit, in this practice of the human reach, um, I was really hard on myself when, you know, things weren't going well in the first, like, you know, maybe two or three months in terms of like my conversion rates of, you know, clients that would reach out, et cetera. Um, but now almost four years later, looking back on that, I'm like, AJ, you just got to give that time, dude. Like you, you got to give yourself some grace. Um, and so that's been a, a big kind of guiding light for me. Just give yourself some grace. This does not need to happen right now. It's a, this is, we're playing the long game. So when you went about building the human reach, you talked about how you were just like, um, feeling re like you didn't want to feel that regret when you were 65, you know, but was there, when you were thinking about building a business, um, cause in your uh, profile, you talk about how much you love building. Like the main reason you talked about for the human reach was the love of building. Was there any kind of like certain event or interaction that you had that made you realize like the human reach, like this is what I want to do. Or did it kind of just progress over time, like throughout trial and error as this is more of kind of what I want to do. Good question. Um, so I remember a time uh, I worked at Premier Staffing, which is a staffing agency in San Francisco. And as I was interviewing for that role, the CEO uh, was like the final interview. And she sat me down in her chair and we were talking, you know, question, question, question. And she said, so like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what, wh how does this job going to like fit into what you want to do? And it was the first time that someone had ever asked me that question. I thought it was quite poignant because it was like, and brilliant because it, she was basically saying like, I know you're not going to stay here forever, but I want to help you get there and I want to invest in you. But so like, where does this fit? And I was like, and um, <laughs> my answer back to her was like, I don't exactly know what I want to do, but I know that eventually I want to own my own business where I'm helping people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can, can, I can trace back where we are with the human reach all the way back to that conversation with Sarah. Sarah, if you're listening to this, hello. Um, and she, I mean, the CEO, she was at my wedding. I mean, she's a big um, contributor to my life and just someone that I look up to quite, quite greatly. Uh, and so I think that was the, maybe the jumping off point of like the, the seed planted in my head that I go and do something that helps people. I'm not sure, really sure what yet. And then, you know, if you, if I backdate it, right. 
from there, I was you know, talking to Silicon Valley giant leaders on helping them hire. Then I was leading people teams. Then I went to Facebook, the number one employer in the world, where I was helping teams grow and scale and learn how to develop and um, grow their leadership. Um, and so that all then kind of culminated in like, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to do it just for one company. I want to do it for multiple companies and lots of different people outside of just one. So uh, that's, I think that's the trace back. That's amazing. So going into more about um, what the human reach does. So when it comes to finding that quote unquote dream job, which is what you help others accomplish, how are you able to realize and develop a strategy that is more effective than the status quo job search methods? Mm. So I think there's a lot of BS advice that's out there. And I've learned just because I'm literally on the other side of the table, not as a hiring manager, but someone who is literally designing the hiring process. So one like altitude higher um, than folks who just are interviewers or have, you know, hired people onto their own team. Um, and so I think that level of expertise that we bring um, helps people to bypass the bad methods that are out there in terms of, uh, you know, what's not working right now. What's not working right now are spraying and praying, applying on job boards. All of that stuff is complete BS. Um, and is a complete waste of time. 85% of people getting jobs right now are getting hard because they are referred, not because they're applying to jobs uh, on a job posting. So our strategy takes that into consideration and we've built a whole way in which to take advantage of, of that statistic so that people are landing jobs and bypassing um, those job boards. I wanted to, to ask as someone who's a, a young entrepreneur yourself, um, what advice would you have to other young entrepreneurs looking to make their way and find success uh, as you have throughout your career? For sure. So I say progress is um, not linear. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is more so of uh, a, a, a jumping game, I would say anything than, than uh, being a, one straight line up and to the right. Uh, that would probably be my number one thing. Number two is... Um, I think it's always great for entrepreneurs to test what they want to bring to the market before they start investing a lot in other things. So you're going to have to wear a lot of hats and do a lot of work for free before you start getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, you got to prove your subject matter expertise. You got to prove product market fit. You got to prove that there's a demand for the thing that you want to put out in the world. Um, and so that grind is, is really important when you first start. It gets easier over time because you learn from your mistakes. You can shortcut things. You, then you can start charging more for what you do because you get those great results, right? Um, so I would say um, those are like really big lessons that I learned early on. And now, like, right, because I've learned all those things over the last almost four years, I have a team of 10, right? And we're now we're, it's not just me. And I have a whole group of folks who are charging towards the same mission as, um, as I, st I started to do just by myself. Um, so that, that stuff comes with time. Um, and then the other thing that I would say too, is surround yourself with mentors and with people that know what your goals are and are going to, uh, support you in achieving those. If you're hanging around people who are, you know, don't have as high ambition as you, they are, you know, a partying all the time or, you know, just, just not in the game, you're going to through osmosis get like absorb those behaviors. And so also you kind of have to change the way in which like who you surround yourself with. Um, and so I think that was a, a big key for me as well. That's fantastic. Man. And then to kind of bounce off that, like a little two-part question, um, how were you able to stay motivated or determined when you were working a job that you didn't enjoy and you didn't want to know, like, 
what you wanted to do yet or right when you started the human reach maybe you had some failures that you can talk about like how are you able to stay motivated through those kind of start times those tough times yeah oh man so i remember maybe like seven or eight months into starting the human reach um i had a consulting client i was doing hr consulting for a company and they hired i helped them hire a chief people officer um to basically replace me um as the consultant and so um, I kind of worked myself out of a job, um, out of a contract. And so uh, it, it was always meant to be that way. But when you have that stuff happen, there's just, there's a big drop in revenue that that happens um, when you have a contract that goes away like that. Um, and I got super freaking scared. I was like, how am I going to get this back up? And like, what? I need to go find some more clients. Um, and I, uh, I freaked out and I think I, you know, I made some decisions that probably weren't the best in terms of like what I eventually wanted to do. Um, and so I put a, basically a big pause on the business. I went back to Facebook. I actually, I was at Facebook twice. Um, and serendipitously they had called me and said, Hey, we want you to join uh, the company again. We are building a team. We want you to lead it, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I was like, you know what, it's just safer for me to like go back to Facebook. Plus this sounds like a really awesome opportunity. So I'm going to go do that. Um, and I kept kind of, I kept the human reach humming in the background. I had like a, an assistant at that time and just would take clients as they came just through referrals, but I wasn't actively going after them. And now having left Facebook again in January to, to do this, I wish I would have just stuck with my business. Um, and I wish that I would have gone through it. So I guess my advice is, um, you're going to get fail. There's, there's going to be failures. There's going to be things that scare you. There's going to be things that make you question what you want to be doing. Um, but you have to remember the long game. This is like me talking to my, myself maybe three years ago. Remember the long game. You're in this for a reason. You have had success. You get out of hard stuff when stuff gets hard and every hardship that you've encountered, you've overcome. So why can't you do the same in the future and remind yourself of your power? That's wonderful. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, sure. And then at what point um, did you realize like this is going to be successful? Like the human reach, like it was like a, like you made it, you knew like this was going, like everything that you did, like it's going to pay off and that all the work that you put in all those tough times that you went through, like they're going to pay off. What point or instance um, mm. did you realize that? I think it's when um, our clients get really amazing results and they tell us. So like just this morning, I was reading through my email and it was like, you know, a bunch of thank yous. And I'm so excited about this, that, and the other thing. And I appreciate just like those like little moments keep me invigorated. And I'm like, yes, this is the right thing. This is on the path. We're providing, <clears throat> excuse me, providing a lot of value to people. Um, so those little moments keep me going. And then um, and now that we have a team, it's that when the team says like, I love my job, this is like the best thing I've ever done in my life. I never want to leave this place. Um, that stuff is really confirmatory. And I think, um, it's, it's telling me and my gut, my soul, my heart that, um, we're creating something really special. That's beautiful, man. That's amazing. For sure. You had, uh, mentioned surrounding yourself with, uh, like-minded people and, uh, mentors. Uh, who would you say have been the most important mentors in your life so far? Mm. Uh, definitely Sarah Menke, who uh, I mentioned before, she's the CEO of Premier, still is. Um, and she, uh, someone that has taught me resilience. She has taught me uh, inspirational leadership. She's taught me how to rally people behind a mission um, and just good business practices. So that's number one. Um, number two is probably my dad. Um, so my dad, 
uh, it's amazing. We live like 25 minutes from each other. Um, but he, when things really started to take off with my company this year, um, I remember calling him, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. And I was like, dad, this thing is blowing up in like the best way possible. I have never led a company that has bit or a group that is, you know, serving this many people, this much revenue, like it's just getting crazy. Um, and I need some advice. And so he always was somebody to like, bring me back down to earth and say like, AJ, it's really simple. You've done this your entire life. The same principles apply here. It just is that you start bringing on more people that can help like execute on the mission that the company has. And then you're guiding people rather than guiding the process or doing the work you're or in the work you're helping to direct the work. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, he's been another good mentor for me, especially this last, this last quarter has been, <laughs> has been nuts. That's amazing. And then with your, um, support system, with you just talking about your dad, um, cause a lot of young entrepreneurs are kind of scared to talk to maybe their close family or close friends about an idea they have because they'll get told that they're crazy or that it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, what was your support system like growing up and starting that business? And then also what is a piece of advice to any young entrepreneur who is scared mm -hmm. to take that jump because of, um, what their family might say or what their close friends or might say or whatever. Yeah. I also had people tell me that I was crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say that my parents thought told me I was crazy, but they were like, are you sure you want to leave Facebook to, mm -hmm. to go? That's a big jump. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, mentors and, you know, there's other people. And I, I would say that like, you have to, you're always going to have an itch in the back of your, of your mind. Uh, if it's something that's there, like that you want to go do it. And then if you don't do it, it's always going to be this thing that you have to scratch. Mm -hmm. And so when you're younger, that's the time to freaking do it because you have no kids, you have no spouse, you maybe don't have a mortgage. Like that is the time to freaking go because you, you do not have all those other commitments that sometimes folks in their forties or fifties, even thirties are having to do because you're, you're tied down to those bills and those obligations that you have. So when you're young, you have so much freaking time to explore, to try things out, to fail, to get back up and to try and to try it again. And I, I, I thank my lucky stars that I did four years ago, because had I had like all the commitments that I had now, like probably would be a lot more scary. doesn't mean I couldn't still do it, but it would, it would just be a little bit different. And so I think uh, my advice is to freaking go for it and just know that like failure does not mean that you're bad, that you're wrong, that you're a, you're a, a fuck up. Like it just means that you learn something and what did you learn and how are you applying that to the next time you try that thing? Failure's yeah, you the greatest teacher. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> me chose there, man. That's good. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, I guess we'll just, I have one more question and to kind of leave it off, um, one more piece of advice. If you can go back and tell your younger self one piece of advice, hmm. what would it be? Um, everything's going to be okay. Uh, I grew up, so I have, I grew up with um, undiagnosed ADHD. Um, <laughs> I grew up with a lot of anxiety just as a kid uh, growing up in the world. Um, and <clears throat> I think now I would have I've told, told myself it's going to be okay. And your ADHD is going to be a superpower because it allows you to do so many things very quickly and focus on a lot of different plates in the air and do it really well. Um, and it's actually not something that is a detriment to you. Um, 
And number two is uh, when you worry about things, you're worrying about a future that has not happened yet. You're li literally living in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's the definition of anxiety. And so focus on today, focus on what you can do today to your very best. Um, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. It's really just about, all right, what am I doing today that's going to make an impact? And then go to sleep, wake up, focus on the day again. That's beautiful. We can't thank you enough for joining us here today. This has been an absolute delight for sure. Yes. And you are the first guest. So Woo. a little celebration for yeah. us. You know, it's great to have you. And thank you for being the, the first guest on our podcast. Awesome, guys. It was nice to meet you and really, really appreciate the time and for having me.